Utah's most listened to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to talk a little football. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now... Cougar great Rob Morris on the big show. What's going on, Rob? How are you? I'm good, Jake. How are you doing? How are you, Gordon? Uh, doing well. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for asking. You know, when it comes around to this time of year, on in any year, Rob, do you do you feel a little something for football? Do you do you miss it? Uh, how does that work? So the standard line I I give is now. Nah, I don't really miss it. I don't feel anything. And then I'll find myself home alone on a Monday night with nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll pull up the game, and I get a little nostalgic. But yeah, so, some days I do. You know, I, it's uh, it's it's interesting to watch with everything that's going on right now. So it's it's been a fascinating year. And you know what I love? I actually love the part about I love. You know, we have this funny little text thread with me and Kalani and Aaron Roderick that we send back and forth and insult each other. So that's those are the things I love <laughs> that I miss. <clears throat> Now put yourself uh, in the in the place of one of these athletes going through this, Rob. Would you appreciate it? maybe this the schedule for BYU isn't uh, what it uh, as good as it was, of course? But would you appreciate the work uh, Tom Homo's done to get games scheduled so you could at least play? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think you know players want to play, right? And sometimes you know when we're young, what we think about is football, 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 and so. I think it's good to have uh, you know other people making those decisions, put, putting putting teams in front of you. You just want to play ball, right? And you've waited your whole life. A lot of these guys, or maybe it's your senior year, and and so it's tough. So I know you know there's a lot of back and forth. Should we be playing? Should we not be playing? But it seems like they've kind of figured out a way to do it safely. And so as a player, yeah, yeah, I think you just want to play. How frustrating would it be, Rob, to to have? Uh have one of BYU's better teams in recent years and to have that schedule fall away a little bit. And, uh, yeah, I mean, BYU has looked really, really good. They've been very crisp in their execution and whatnot. But ultimately you have that same thing, people dragging along saying, yeah, but who are you playing? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be frustrated. Although, you know, if you win them all, you got to think that there's going to be an opportunity to to prove somewhat. You know, obviously, I don't know how the playoffs look this year, but that would be a tough sell with, you know, with the schedule. But I think at this point, your goal is just to win them all and see what happens, right? And, and then you can feel good about that. Um, but yeah, it would it would be that, that would be a tough one. Rob, the defense for the Cougs has looked really, really good, uh, and they've been really good up front. And as a result, I think the the linebackers have been given a boost to play really well. When when you're playing linebacker and the the defensive line is is gobbling up blocks and really playing well, how much easier does that make your job? Much easier, extremely, 
a lot easier. I mean, when you got some big guys up front, um, you know, there's nothing worse than just having someone who's much bigger than you have a free shot. And so I think, uh, you know, when you, when the guys in front of you play gap sound, you know, the linebackers look good. And, you know, it's the same thing, the secondary guys, when the linebackers play well, they look good. It's all, you know, football is a game of assignments and of not making mistakes and stuff. I think what you see on the TV, this is what drives me crazy why I have a hard time watching it with, you know, the casual fan is you might see what looks like a misplay by the linebacker and it could have been a misplay up front or, you know, vice versa. So so when you're front, uh, front four playing good, it really gives you a boost as linebacker. Let you run around and just hit guys. So, Rob, uh, have you watched Kyrus Tonga? I mean, does he look like an NFL guy to you? Because, man, he looks powerful. Yeah, he uh, he does look like an NFL guy to me, and I think he looks like an a, a NFL guy to my old agent too, who's constantly calling and texting me about <laughs> these guys. So, uh, you know, he's a monster, and, and uh, from what I understand, he can run. And you know, when you have that size and speed, and I mean, that's that's rare size that that guy has right there. So, so it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how things go. Rob, I want to ask you about the difference in in playing linebacker at the college as opposed to the uh, to the NFL level, and I, I bring it up because there are a couple of guys that we watched here locally in, in uh, Fred Warner and Bobby Wagner, who we knew were good. I mean, they were great in college; they were great linebackers. But now with the NFL, we're talking about two of the best at that position. What's the what's kind of the connective tissue between being really good in college and and really great at the NFL level? Yeah, that's a great question because you'll get a lot of guys. Um, when you get when you get in the NFL, everyone can play, right? Everyone's a good athlete. Everyone can run. Everyone's strong. Uh, and then I think you know you have the instinct part, but there's a huge element of getting plugged into the right system. And if you can get into the right system and, and the right timing, uh, that sort of you know this is if you think about Bill Belichick, this is what people always praise him, right? He fits guys. He finds guys that fit the system. And so I think a lot of times you'll see a player, linebacker, whatever it is, and he'll excel with the team, and then he'll get a big contract somewhere else and maybe sort of disappear, and that could be a systems thing. So I think a huge part of this is these guys finding coaches, you know, that, that fit them into the system and really capitalize on their strengths, you know, the things they do well. So, Rob, I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit. These are, uh, you, know, you probably don't necessarily have fond memories of offensive linemen. You probably try to beat up on them all the time. And by the way, what did you think of Joe Thomas's comment, uh, the longtime Cleveland Brown, former uh, NFL guy, who said that uh, offensive defensive linemen are always jealous of offensive linemen, but they're not smart <laughs> enough to play the position. I wondered how you would react to that. I, I react by saying that sounds like something an offensive lineman would say, to be <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. I've heard that a million times from John Tate and my other O-line friends who fancy themselves to be the most intellectual of all athletes, which quite frankly couldn't be further from the truth. But having uh, played against Joe Thomas, he could probably say whatever he wants, and I would mostly keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because uh... – I think it's probably because they are not athletic enough to play defense, right? Is that what you would probably respond to? Well, well that, that's what the defensive lineman would say, yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the eternal back and forth, I think. How is John Tate? He was a great player at BYU, obviously a terrific NFL player. How's he, how's he doing? 
He's doing good, man. He was at my house this uh, last weekend. We watched the BYU game together, and, and we were hanging out. His family came out here. He's uh, he lives in the Bay Area, so it's been it's been a sort of a lockdown situation out there, and it's and so it's the first I've really gotten to see him. But he's he's doing well, and uh, yeah, he's, he's he's you know he's the best. John's the best. So, what do you think of that BYU offensive line? They look pretty good against the teams they're playing. Yeah, they look good. I mean, I'd love to be a running back right now for BYU. It seems like you could plug anyone in there. And, uh, you know, I don't know a ton about them, but I know you got some veteran guys. you got Empey up there and, uh, and, uh, and Herring, which I think I played with like 10 of his brothers at BYU, so, or, or, or parents or whoever it is. It seems like there's always a Herring around BYU. But, uh, yeah, they look good. It, it makes a huge difference. You know, on that kind of note, Rob, uh, and you mentioned Tate, and uh, I just remember some of the great offensive lines at, at BYU around your era and before, uh, of course. And, uh, you know, in the latter part of Broncos' career there at, at BYU, they got away from those big dominant offensive lines. And it feels like now with under Grimes, they've gotten back to that. Should it be any is – it, is it any coincidence that this is probably the best team BYU's had for a while? You know, I – I, I don't I don't have any insider information other than I, you know, coached there that one year and I helped with the O line. But I don't think it's I don't think there was ever a philosophical idea of getting away from, you know, big strong athletic offensive linemen. Like I, that just seems like a crazy thought. But I, so I think it's just you you sort of get a group together that that clicks that that uh, you know that that can move well and. Um, and I think that's what you've got going on right here. So I, I don't know if it was much about the coaching as it is sometimes you just hit the jackpot and you get the right group of guys working together at the same time. Rob, sometimes people mistakenly think that a group of guys who played at the same school or the same program or the same team, you know, they all get together and have a barbecue in the backyard together or whatnot. You know, there's some camaraderie there. We were talking about Andy Reid yesterday what do you know him have you had any connections with him because of your cougar connection and if you had what do you think of him as a coach because he, he seems like he's pretty smart yeah so i i i have had you know just my few interactions personally with him have been awesome when i was you know when i after i coached one year at byu i knew i didn't really want to coach college but i thought about maybe trying to coach in the nfl and and uh, andy was you know quick to get on the phone with me and talk about it and but you know, I don't I don't know him well. But the guys that I know that know him well, they love him. I mean, he's like he's like a, kind of a father figure. You know, he's got that big smile and he's got this sort of jovial uh, appearance. And and I think he just he gets it right. He's the rare combination of a coach that the players love, they want to play for. He's a whiz, you know, an offensive wizard. And um, <clears throat> I think you know, I think ownership management they bring him in and they let him do things his way. And that's why he's found so much success. But from my experience with Andy, he's been super positive. Last thing for me, Rob, and Rob Morris with us here on 97.5 and 1280 mm-hmm. The Zone. If uh, if they were to make a movie of your life, who would play <laughs> Hans Olsen? <laughs> oh, it would be the same actor that played, um, that played um, uh, what's his name? Um Oh my goodness! I can't think of it now. So it, 
it would be the same actor that played the the big guy on Goonies. The uh, oh, Chunk. It would be the yeah. same actor that played Chunk on Goonies. Yeah, remember Chunk? Yeah, yeah I absolutely remember. <laughs> that is a great answer. Oh, I don't know if that actor. I don't know if he's still around, but I, I would say Chunk. Uh, Austin just said in our ear, Jeff Cohen. Is that right, Austin? Yeah, it is, but he grew up to not look anything like he did back then. In the so no. a, an, an adult version of child Jeff Cohen. There you go. Is that there how, go. Rob, Rob, who would play you? Well, George Clooney, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> of course. You know, yeah. I've always looked at you, Rob, as being a fairly deep thinker, and uh, you uh, sort of have a view of the world or whatnot, but i I got to find out what your reaction was to that presidential debate last mm-hmm. night. Uh, well, look, it's, it's a bummer, man. It's a bummer that that's where we're at in this country with civil discourse, um, you know, look, I, without getting too political, I, I just, I, it's, I don't get it. I don't understand how somebody like this gets in the highest office. I don't understand how, you know, politicians, the, the politics in general have just become this sort of cesspool of corruption. Look, until we do something about, you know, campaign finance reform, and you know, we got to do something about the electoral college, and we got to fix. You know, the, I don't know. We, should, we ought to just banish the Senate. That makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> but there's just this. It's so it's so deep, and it and it goes so far. And Gordon, it's all around. It's all about money. And until that changes, I it's, it's hard to have confidence. You know, I do think, um, you know, there may be some opportunities in the coming years. You know, it's brought obviously to light a lot of social injustice, and, and that's unfortunate that it's taken this kind of divisiveness to bring that to light. But I think hopefully um, there will be some change come of it. But, man, it's just, you know, we can't talk to each other anymore. We've sort of lost that ability to to speak civilly. And I think we do that because we we don't view these things as ideas, right? They're my ideas. They're your ideas. We attach them to ourselves. We attach them to you. So if you disagree with me, then it's you that's the problem, Gordon, not me. And until we can just realize, like, this is an idea, right, that I may feel strongly about now, and that could change, um, you know, in the coming months or years. You know, look, I was – I'll be the first to admit, I am i have i have swung to the other pendulum. I always grew up small-town Idaho and very religious and very conservative, you know, and now I'm a godless heathen that has swung far to the left, and I believe strongly in, you know, LGBTQ plus rights and – you know, and, and the social injustices around, um, you know, around uh, the racism, the systemic racism in the country. And, you know, so I think we just got to look at each other and think, you know, these are ideas. Uh, let's have civil conversations. So it's a bummer that we can't do that. Well, Rob, we appreciate you jumping on with us, man. It's always a pleasure uh, to pick your brain. So thanks for uh, for coming on. You bet. Anytime, guys. Thanks, thanks Rob. Rob. The great Rob Morris. Joining us here to talk a little football and uh, and other stuff. Did you see what uh, Hassan Whiteside tweeted out after the debate? No, what he said. He said, uh, "I'm going to leave the country. I'm moving to Hawaii." <laughs> uh, yeah, that's uh, foreign territory. Uh, yeah, he he needs to to pick a different uh, 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 chain of islands. I think if he wants to truly get out of the uh, out of the country, but you know, you don't have to win a geography B to be an NBA player. He was joking, was he? I don't know. I, I just saw was, yeah. I just saw the tweet and I thought, oh, that's 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 incorrect. I think he's kidding.
I hope he's kidding. I hope he's kidding, too. That's why Twitter is such a bad place to express yourself. You think you'd like to live in Hawaii? Uh, yeah, I could I could see myself living in Hawaii. It's a little expensive, maybe, but uh, yeah, good times. As long as you don't drink milk or drive a car. Yeah, I, I would replace uh, milk with Mai Tais, and I could take the bus. <laughs> what, what do you mean? I don't, I don't get uh, it. Milk is very expensive because it's tough Things to get to the are, island. Yeah, and and yeah. gasoline's expensive, right. too. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's part and parcel, but... Uh, it's what? You say well, it's part impartial? It's part and parcel to ah. living in Hawaii. Uh, you know, costs a little extra, but uh, it's it, if it's worth it to you, it's worth it to you. Uh, we know you probably wouldn't want to live in Hawaii because you, you already winter there for a month, so you get your fill. <laughs> I went there for a week in January, all right? Every One January. Week. Well, yeah, try to. <laughs> Try to. There are some years I've been there multiple times, uh, but uh, I no, I'm not bragging about it. I'm just saying that uh, I really uh. enjoy it. <laughs> I really enjoy it. Uh. The only time I wouldn't have wanted to be in Hawaii was when uh, they said there was a there was a nuclear warhead headed straight for it. Is it bad of me if I wish you had been there at the time just so you could tell the story on air? It is bad of you. Oh, okay. Because yeah. it wasn't a real warhead. There were problems. Yeah, I know, but people might have thought it was real, and that would be a like, traumatic experience. Let me clarify. At the time that it happened, I didn't sit there and go, oh, I hope Gordon's there. But when it was over, <laughs> I was like, this would have been funny if Gordon had been there. No, the reason I ask is ordinarily you think, yeah, Hawaii's terrific, but it, some people might think it's a terrific place to spend the winter or to go on vacation. But some people might get a little, uh, you know, a little pent up being on a, a speck of a rock in the middle of the Pacific. My, my understanding is, and I don't know why I'm continuing this tangent, but my understanding of Hawaii is there's a there's a lot more downtrodden and not as glamorous places than there are places that people go to visit. Well, <laughs> yeah, Gordon it's a much Barrow. it's a much poorer uh, rock in the ocean than the movies and vacations would have you believe. Well, that's probably the case. For As in, most. it's a tough place to live. Yeah, Gordon doesn't visit those parts, oh. though. Oh, yes, I do. I've, I've been there quite a bit in certain places. A friend of mine has a house in, in uh, okay. where just mostly locals are, and it's on a, okay. a, a rougher area of the island. And uh, I, I really enjoyed staying there. It's uh, uh, I do. I feel a little bit of a kinship with. Uh, folks over there but uh i don't know if the feeling is mutual but uh that's the way i view it so i don't just you know i stay away from when i go to hawaii man i don't go to i don't go to waikiki or anything like that i go hide out in the in the hinterlands not the hinterlands but beaches but in places where you know the average tourist might not go so you're a local no, I, I don't want to pre- be presumptuous about it, but I I do like hanging out in the areas where where yeah where there are locals yeah mm-hmm. now you know, whether they, they whether they would accept me or not I I don't know you know they made a whole South Park episode about uh, people that visit Hawaii and consider themselves locals <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, was... I I know Mahalo. I know. <laughs>
Let's get out to an, act, at an actual speaking, uh, local uh, of, of you know, Hawaii. Alema Harrington uh, joining us now on behalf of TridayTrading.com. I'm, you know, I'm going to be going against what I said about the possibility of, of Gordon being a robot because now I'm going to say that he is truly a Kama'aina, which would uh, refer to him as a local because he's been there so much and because he's embraced the islands and the islands have embraced him. So he he has achieved Kama'aina status. Oh, wow. That makes that, that made my day, Alema. Thanks a lot. I, I mean, I, yeah, I, that's the way I feel about it. But I, again, I don't know whether it's mutual, but I, I do feel a kinship from my side anyway. Yeah. And well, uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if I can speak on behalf of islanders everywhere, but uh, – it is mutual in respect to how I feel about you, Gordon, as uh, as a guy, as a fellow Islander, and a Kamaaina, and uh, so um, yeah, you you have been adopted into the Ohana, or or as we would say in the Samoan Islands, the Ainga, and so you are part of. So well, there you go. If you say that, Alema, that's good by me. I appreciate that. <laughs> I do appreciate it. And I've well, always I, wanted to – I told you a thousand times, Alema, I yeah. want to go to Hawaii sometime when Alema is there. I want to hang out with Alema for a day <laughs> on the island somewhere. I, that, that's, that's been a goal of mine for a long time, and Alema keeps avoiding me. You know, he finds out when I'm going, and he picks another time to go. But Well, that, that's not true. But let, let me share with uh, with your listeners right now. What, one of the things that we could do, whether we were here or uh, in the islands, and that that is that we could get on the internet and uh, and day trade. And that's something that has become a, a big part of my life here, especially during the pandemic when I've been looking at okay, what's the future look like, and what can I be in control of? And we've all discovered that. You know, there's a lot of things that we're not in control of, and as it relates to our income, wanting to have a little more control. Well, Tri-Day Trading has been that for me, and I think it can be that for our listeners out there. And if you are inclined, all you have to do to find out more is to go to TriDating.com, uh, look at one of the, the webinars that is available to you, or sign up for the uh, 30-day trial for just $10. And right now, we're doing something I think a little bit special because people are always asking me about what it's like for me. You're going to get a chance to see exactly what a coaching session with Alema Harrington is like with my coach, Jared. And um, all you have to do is go to the website and and, uh, and put in the, the promo code A-game uh, uh, on and you can be part of a coaching session with me. And and what we typically do, myself and Jerry, is we you know go through the indicators and uh, continue to try to hone my skills on that, and then make a few trades and do it with the demo account. And that way we can do it uh, with, without uh, being live in the market. And the goal is to get enough information and get enough coaching and get enough training so that uh, we're able to go live in the market and start to make money. And people are doing it uh, and, um, and being successful. And they do it by, by starting with the tri-day trading program. So I encourage you to do that. Uh, and that's whether you're here or in Hawaii and uh, you can do it just about anywhere as long as you have an internet connection. Trydaytrading.com. That's trydaytrading.com. Thanks, Alema. There you go. That's our friend, Alema Harrington. You know, I spent a weekend in uh, Dayton, Ohio once. I basically consider <laughs> myself uh, a Daytoner. Uh, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show. Keith Smith joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, it's time to talk a little basketball, Gordon. Let's get out to the T-Mobile special guest line. Uh, joining us, of course, our good friend. You can follow him on Twitter at KeithSmithNBA. He makes magic happen for Yahoo Sports Real GM uh, as well. Uh, he is Keith Smith with us on the Big Show. Hi, Keith. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me back. No problem. Give us a little, let's start off with a tail of the tape uh, on the finals. What do you think about the matchup we've got? I, I think this is a really interesting matchup. I, I think you've got kind of the Lakers with the superstar uh, power, the, the duo of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, as good a duo as there is in the entire NBA, maybe the best duo in the league, going against the Heat team that is really they've all year long, especially in the restart in these playoffs, have kind of been the whole is greater than the sum of their parts. They, I'm starting to get real 2004 Detroit Pistons vibes from this Miami team where no true real superstars, but just a bunch of good players. Everybody knows their role. They play hard. They get after it defensively, and they make big shots. So so I think we're in for a really good, fun series with a couple of good coaches who are going to, you know, I think whoever can impose their will in these games is probably going to be the one that comes out on top. Let me ask you a little more detail on what the Heat have to do to win this series. What are some of the specifics that have to happen? Yeah, you want to start with the obvious, right, of slow down LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I don't know how much you really do that at this point uh, you know Miami's going to throw a lot of different guys at both of those guys they're going to throw different defenses at them Eric Spolster with a few days to prepare you know he's got some stuff we haven't probably seen much of but at this point in his career LeBron it might take him a play or two to figure that out but he's going to figure out whatever it is and, and get what it is so I think the key for Miami is they've got to lock in on the those secondary players the, for, for the Lakers. They, they cannot have games where they're getting beat because Kyle Kuzma is scoring 30 points or Rajon Rondo had 20 points and 10 assists. Those are the guys that they really need to shut down. Let Davis and James, you know, if they combine for, you know, 60 to 80 points, so be it. That You should still be able to put up enough on your side to, to win those games. you got to do what you can to try and beat, you know, them by holding down the secondary players. Did Jimmy Butler get a bad rap in his other stops in the NBA? I think he got an earned rap in those other other stops. I I think, you know, things went a little south in Chicago. He wasn't real happy toward the end of his time there. He, you know, famously said it's either Fred Hoiberg or me, and they made their choice. And then in Minnesota, he didn't get along with his younger teammates, Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. He didn't think they were serious enough about winning. And then he went to Philadelphia, and it was kind of the same story. And I think, though, now in Miami, he found right team, right place, you know, right group of guys where it's a, it's a bunch of serious guys, a bunch of guys who want to win. There's no real agendas. They were able to let him come in and kind of say, all right, this is your team. You know, you're going to lead us. There was nobody else he had to share. I don't want to say the spotlight because I don't know that Jimmy Butler is necessarily looking for the spotlight, but it was if there was going to be someone they were going to look to for leadership, it was going to be Jimmy Butler. It wasn't going to be staring at two or three guys in the locker room. They were going to him because he's very much their leader. Do you think there was any effect in playing in the bubble as opposed to a traditional kind of playoffs that resulted in these teams making it to the finals? Not necessarily on the Lakers' side. I think, you know, they earned the one seed. 
throughout the course of the regular season. That's where it was headed, you know, right at the time of the pause anyway. So I don't think they benefited overly much. I, I think everybody benefited equally as far as there being no travel and, and uh, none of that stuff. I think that's, you know, important for everybody. I think for the Heat, maybe not having to play games, you know, in Milwaukee in the second round where the Bucks have historically had a pretty good home crowd and certainly against Boston in the East Finals where the Celtics have one of the better crowds in the league. I think that, you know, might have, you know, swung a game or two the other direction. But I think in the end, they, they won in five games and then in six games. It wasn't like they won a nail-biter in the seventh game. That would have been a road game. So they really kind of took care of their own business. All right, Keith, let's pretend for a moment that you are the next hot coaching commodity out there. Which of the vacant jobs would you select? Yeah, that's a good question. Off of talent alone, you want to say the Clippers? I think they've got the best guys there. But then when you kind of look at it, it's, well, if you don't get it done, are Kawhi and Paul George going to stick around? Or are they, they going to stay in town? They've only got one more year guaranteed left on the books. That starts to get a little tricky, and, and you start to look at that. So, so that's tough. I, 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 the, the job that interests me as I look at it is the New Orleans Pelicans. So much youth, so many good young players. Their salary cap is pretty clean. It's going to clear up a little bit more in the next couple of years. So I think just as uh, Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson are really ready to take that next step, you'll have enough space to go get something done to add a couple of players around them. So I, I think that's the job that, that would be most interesting to me. How much of a mess is the situation in Philadelphia? Uh, it's pretty big. I, I, they, they're struggling to – I think they got a little bit fortunate that uh, Doc Rivers is on the market now because that's going to kind of force either Doc or um, Ty Lu to make a decision. Do, do they want to be there? I don't know that they're as locked in on Mike D'Antoni as it has been mentioned. I was told directly by someone who, who you know, is involved in the situation that if they hire Mike D'Antoni, they're prepared to start making trades, not necessarily Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, but Al Horford, Tobias Harris, because they know they don't have the personnel that fits anything that D'Antoni's had success with in the past. So, so there, there's you know a little bit of a look there, but but that it's tough. Their their cap sheet is terrible. They're they're capped out for at least the next few years um, around those guys. They don't really have the room to make moves unless you start. You know, moving some of those big, big names. If Simmons or Embiid, they could fetch a heck of a trade package and bring you back a bunch of really good players. But the problem is, as we know in the NBA, four quarters rarely equal a dollar. What do you think of Elton Brand, the GM uh, there in Philly? I think what you're seeing there is this is why you, in the front office, it generally doesn't work when someone goes right into it. And I know he was the uh, G League GM and those kind of things, but, but usually the guys who have the most success are the guys who have, have kind of you know, worked their way up through through one side or the other, whether some do it on the coaching side and then move into the front office. Others do it on the front office side, and they, they kind of you know, work their way through. You learn all those kind of pitfalls that you got to avoid as a GM. I, I just don't know that it, the best decision is put a guy right into the big job, especially in a spot where it was get him in there and, hey, guess what? We need to win and we need to contend right now. That's a tough ask for anybody. Do you expect to ever see Phil Jackson coach an NBA team again? I don't think so. I, I know 
that was kind of thrown out there the other day of, you know, maybe the Clippers should give him a call. And, boy, that, that would be kind of the ultimate troll move against the uh, Lakers. I, I just I, I don't think Phil Jackson's interested in that. I don't think he wants to do the grind anymore. I think he made that kind of clear. And, and his, you know, as he was wrapping up was, you know, the idea of, you know, flying around the country, you know, 41 times during the regular season. And then for another two, three weeks or two, three months in the playoffs, if you go deep enough, I don't think he has any real interest in that. So I'd be shocked if we ever see him coach again. You can follow him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. He's our good friend, Keith Smith. Thanks, Keith, for jumping on. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Y'all stay safe. You. Thanks, Keith. Always a pleasure. Again, uh, follow Keith on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think he's he makes a great point about Elton Brand uh, and having experience before putting into that position because he's not good as a general manager or has not been so far. I mean, that the, the signing of Al Horford, that was just a terrible idea, and it just hasn't worked. Well, I asked him about Bill Jackson and uh... – even a guy who's as accomplished as a coach as Phil Jackson was when he filled uh, a certain role there in New York, that didn't work out so well, did it? Uh, no, no, it did not. So interesting. Uh, you know, I, I do think it's one of those jobs that you got to come up a little bit in the ranks and learn those ropes before you can really be effective at it. I mean, we've all played the video games and haven't had a good time being GM online, right? You know, we can all work the ESPN trade machine, but as it, it turns out, I think that job is a little bit more uh, complex. And you gotta, you gotta care about it. You know, you gotta work at it. It's just like anything else. You want to be good at it. You gotta work at it. And I just got the feeling that Phil, I don't know, I don't know about any of the others, but uh, Phil seemed like he was spending a lot of time flying back and forth, uh, not necessarily minding the shop. Coming up next, we have the Not Sports Report. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Check this out. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It is time for the Not Sports Report. It is brought to you each and every day by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles and inventory. Shop online, LHMUsedCars.com. Gordon, where are we going today? We're going all over the place because I've got uh, a number of, of items to get to. Is that all right with you? Let's do it. Okay, the first one, uh, a shout-out goes to uh, Mark Hamill because he sent out a tweet last night after watching the presidential debate, and he said, this is what he tweeted. He said, that debate was the worst thing I've ever seen, and I was in the Star Wars holiday special. I didn't know there was such a thing. (laughs) Me neither, but apparently it was quite bad. Uh, Another little item here is 65 years ago today james dean was killed in a a car accident uh in california are you aware of james dean i am aware of james dean yes austin have you i have to ask after you guys didn't know who greta garbo was uh austin you've heard of james dean of course cool hand luke right uh, was he in Cool Hand Luke? No, he no. was not. 
was going to say, but uh, he did have uh, the 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 way he died was eerie. Yeah, twenty four years old. He uh, was taking his Porsche up to uh, pronounced Porsche from Porsche uh, from uh, where his house in Sherman Oaks up to Northern California to uh, have the car race. And they were going to uh, trailer it up there behind a station wagon. But uh, he and his mechanic decided it might be good to put some miles on the car. So they decided to go ahead and drive. And the station wagon with the trailer followed them up. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, hit by, uh, I forget the guy's name, but uh, anyway, on a small stretch of highway uh, in California. So, 65 years ago today. Now, to be fair, James Dean was at least a star in the 50s. Uh, And made some movies that people have heard of. Yeah. Babs Garbo was literally a silent movie actress. Yeah, but Greta Garbo was so very famous. Uh, And speaking of show business, (laughs) do you know that uh, currently Netflix is apparently making a Conan the Barbarian series? No, I did not know that. Have you seen Conan the Barbarian? Nope. Never saw it? You mean Conan the Barbarian. Whatever. The late Uh, the comic? Yes. No, no. no. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger played him in in a couple of movies. Do you remember that? Didn't Fabio play him in like a TV show version of it? It wasn't Fabio. It was that other guy that, that... Kevin Sorbo? Yeah, that one. That played Hercules? With, within two minutes. I mean, no, no, two seconds. If you can answer this question, I owe you 50 bucks. Who co-wrote Conan the Barbarian? Bob Woodward. David Howard. <laughs> You're not going to believe it. Oliver Stone. Hmm. Pretty amazing, huh? The, the, the guy that made the movie Nixon? You know who Oliver Stone is. He's done a bunch of. He did JFK. He did a bunch of those. Yes, uh, including a movie movies. called Nixon. All right. See well, the guy that uh, likes the guns. I think he's opposite, actually. I don't know. Yeah, he's. No, it's Oliver North. Oh yeah, Oliver North. No, he doesn't just like guns. He was running guns. Oliver Stone was is uh, uh, Kate Hudson's father. Is he not? No, 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 no. Oh, I thought so. Is that that can't be true. Oh well. Look Wait, what? What'd you say? Maybe it's Oliver North then. I don't. Who was Kate? Yeah. H- oh no! Oh, of course her name's Hudson. That's Kurt Russell, isn't it? No, 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 no. no. It's uh. Wait, wait. Bill, isn't Kate, Bill Kate, Hudson. Kate, Kate Bill Hudson? Hudson? Yeah, sorry. Bill oh, Hudson. Kate. Isn't Kate Hudson Goldie Hawn's daughter? Yes, with Bill Hudson. Okay. Well, that would make sense. I and guess. her brother's name is Oliver. That's my bad. Okay. And okay, so uh, wait, who's Kurt Russell uh, hanging out with? That's she can have more than one marriage or relationship in Correct. her lifetime. Uh, yes. Okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> and then there's finally this story out of New Jersey. Kids do the dumbest things sometimes, don't they? Like what's the dumb? What's the dumb? What's the dumbest thing you did as a kid? I never the did dumbest a, thing. Never did a single dumb thing as a kid. That's not true. I not know once. That's not true. Just give us one example. Um, uh, let me think. You just did one recently when you when you uh, what's it called? You shoot the tube. Up oh in the yeah, mountains. yeah, that's, that's pretty, pretty dumb. That is pretty dumb. Yeah, shooting the tube. Austin, you? Dumb. Oh come on, we don't have time. 
There was a time I burned down a porta potty just for the heck of it. Yeah. <laughs> lit a bur- I lit a tire on fire and rolled it into the porta potty and watched it melt. I was nine. Leave me. My alone. dumb thing was I. My dad's r- rule was never climb up on a roof. I've told you this story, and I climbed up on the roof and I threw a golf ball down the chimney to see if it would bounce. What would happen? And uh, it was not a happy story because my dad was downstairs and he heard it. So anyway, that was not a smart thing to do. But what happened in Jersey is a group of teenagers, I think there were seven of them, they broke into an animal farm, uh, a place that had like various, you know, animals. And they broke in and uh, when the police showed up, they found a pony that had lipstick on. A pony with lipstick. At least it wasn't a pig. <laughs> but why would a group of kids put lipstick on a horse or a donkey? I think the more interesting question is why would somebody write a story about kids putting lipstick on a donkey? That was a, really a productive segment, wasn't it? On a donkey. <laughs> a stupid segment. No, no, no answer there why anybody would write a story about that? Well, because it's unusual, as I've described to you about a thousand times, the very definition of news is that which is extraordinary. And this it's is not, not every day that you hear about seven kids breaking into a, an animal park and putting lipstick on a pony. It doesn't make it news, I don't think. Just Breaking it's, news. It's extra, extra. <laughs> I mean, Get that in before deadline. It, like something unusual happened to Austin uh, yesterday. We'll beat the post today. With that trailer smashing his neighbor's cars, but yet I didn't see the Salt Lake Tribune showing up at it to, to cover it. And in fact, that's I would say that what happened to Austin is far more interesting than than putting lipstick on a donkey. And it didn't even happen to me, really. Right. Oh, I disagree. I think this story is much more interesting than a than a trailer on the loose in front of Austin's house. Well, we, we that's, just, that's just bad luck. Agree to disagree <laughs> here. Imagine the poor right. son of a gun that was assigned to write on this. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You want me to? I went to journalism to school. On what? I paid all this tuition. I, I I did all this work. I'm ready for my new my my big break. Here you go, son. Head out to the animal park. <laughs> okay, look. Look, you guys. Do I get a photog? No. The whole, the, whole, the whole idea behind this segment is to relay kind of unusual things. And that's an unusual thing. Did they put a byline on that story? I bet they didn't. I'm sure they did. Uh, I bet they did. off of it. Uh, I wouldn't have I, put this, my name. I wouldn't is, have clicked on it myself. This is this is one of my real disappointments. Is uh, I feel like I'm throwing my pearls before swine here. You know, it just it just hurts me to hear this kind of reaction to these remarkable, extraordinary stories. Mm, not that. Yeah, there's nothing remarkable or extraordinary about that story <laughs> in the slightest. <laughs> How often do you see a pony wearing lipstick? Hello, uh, editor. What story do you want me to cover today? Is it is it controversy on Capitol Hill? Is it some sort of uh, of crime? Is it an accident? What's going on? Oh, you want me to get out to the zoo because somebody put lipstick on a donkey? 
Wow. <laughs> and there's there's more to discover? Uh, wow. Is that this it? is this is amazing. I'll, I'll jump right on it. You know the who's, why's, what's, how's. How are you going to get that? I don't know. Is, is it a talking donkey at least? No, no, just a normal, normal everyday donkey. Oh. Oh, no, they put lipstick on a donkey instead of last night's presidential debate, which was putting lipstick on a pig. Breaking news. What was the shade of the lipstick? Did they at least include that in this? Was it Maybelline? <laughs> what was the brand? <laughs> Cover girl? All right, let's you get guys, out to the zone phone. I'm, gonna, I'm really going to stop. Lip I'm going to stop with this. You have, Austin, you finally worn me down. I am this close to pitching this in the garbage. Maybe it's Maybelline. Joining us now from TridayTrading.com is our good friend Ryan Van Dorn. Uh, hi, hi, Ryan. How are you? Uh, good, uh, there's good, no good. no good way to transition to TridayTrading.com this time <laughs> coming off of that, I'm afraid. We just have to go right to it. We'll dig right in. Uh, absolutely. Maybe uh, our listeners out there, maybe they, they want to. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. Let's, <laughs> let's help our listeners make some money. Ryan, shall we? Let's do that. Hey, a couple different options. Um, I always forget to mention this, but um, now that, that you know people are, are venturing out a little bit more, if you're somebody that likes to kind of be in the same room with somebody, of course, uh, a safe distance. We are actually on Wednesday nights doing some limited meetings down here at the office right off the Thanksgiving point exit. But, you know, with the, the mask, the proper precautions and the, the distancing, um, if you want to come down in person and learn a, bit, a little bit more about what we're doing tonight at 7 o'clock here, um, you know, our, our address is on the website, that's trydaytrading.com. And, and one other thing I forgot to mention, which really is important to us too, um, the trial period that we do is, is 30 days, and, and it's $10. We don't do that for the money on our end. Uh, we do it to, to help people find out if, if our program is for them. So that $10, um, just to put it to some good use, is, is donated to Operation Underground Railroad. Every every bit of that money that is is um, spent here on that trial program goes to Operation Underground Railroad. We've been able to, to to donate thousands of dollars so far, thanks to thanks to that program, and hope to continue to be able to to add to that as people sign up for our trial. So cool. Go to TridayTrading.com and click on that Alema Harrington button. Right, that's a that's a good way to do it. That's a good spot to, to really get in on a, a session with Alema and his coach, see how things work. All right, TridayTrading.com. That's TridayTrading.com. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you. All right, we're going to let you hear from BYU Passing Game Coordinator Aaron Roderick. He had some availability today. We'll get to that next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.